Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you. Thank you for coming to this place and joining us for the worship of God today. It is a good day for us to be able to gather together, even in a rainy day. The sunshine of God's love shines to us as we gather here, and I thank you for coming and being part of this service of worship. This is your first time here. There should be a Connect card in the pew rack in front of you. If you'd fill that out, let us know that you've been here. We would appreciate it. If you uh, have... um, if you, well, never mind. <laughs> it's bad to get old. I don't even remember what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was kind of, when I came in this morning, I looked over and I said, you can go and sit right in front of, I've known Chuck's literally since I moved here and he's lived right across the street from me and just went completely blank. So I'm going to die soon and that's just how it is, I guess. So. <laughs> We're glad that you're here. We're glad you've come to be with us this morning. Uh, If you have prayer concerns, this is what I was going to say. Put it on that same card and let us know that, and we'll try to respond to you. If you're joining us via live stream, I'm not quite right. And so we are glad that you're here anyway, and thank you for coming and being with us. You can go to the address you'll see on the screen and let us know you've been here. If you have prayer concerns or issues going on in your life, write us and let us know. We'll try to respond to it, but we are glad that you are here. We are glad that all of you are here. Oh God, you have made manifest your glory and your power through your beloved Son and Savior. Even this morning, you have revealed yourself through the professions of faith of these who have come uh, to give witness to their faith through the waters of baptism, and we thank you for them. So reveal him again now, we pray, in this time of worship. Give us pure hearts so that we may see you. Give us sincere love that we may trust you. Give us abundant joy that we may praise you. Transform us, Lord, into the likeness of Christ. Help us to know that we are also your beloved. May we desire Jesus and Jesus alone, for we ask it all in his name. Amen. For the last few weeks, we've been doing a series. We've been doing it in our sermons, and we've been doing it in our life groups. It's called The Five Practices of Fruitful Living. And we've had very positive response off of this. Uh, it's been one of the more, more interesting and enjoyable series that we've done in a while. And people have seemed to have gotten a lot out of it. The first week we looked at radical hospitality and how important that is to the future of your church. Second week we looked at passionate worship. The third week we looked at intentional faith development. Last week we looked at risk-taking missions and service. And this week we are looking at extravagant generosity and how the practice of extravagant generosity can produce the fruit of grace toward others in our lives. Our scripture passages this week come from Galatians 5, through 23 and 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a cheerful giver and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. 
as the scriptures say, they have shared freely their gifts with the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seeds for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will supply and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will give thanks to God. Let's pray. God, you have supplied your word to us to give us the opportunity to learn from you. Open our minds and open our hearts that your grace might speak to our souls. For it's in your name we offer our prayer. Amen. This sounds almost impossible, but up until just a few years ago, it was actually illegal in Santa Cruz, California, to be generous to people whose parking meters were about to expire. It was called plugging coins, and it was a finable offense. If you let your parking meter run out, it was a $12 fine. If you plugged coins for somebody else, it was a $13 fine. Everybody knew that it was a code. Nobody paid any attention to it until one man named Corey McDonald started going around town plugging meters with coins who were, who were on the verge of getting a ticket. The police gave Corey two warnings, and, and he continued to plug the, the meters, and so they gave him a ticket for doing it. When they did, the local TV stations found out about it, and then CNN found out about it. And all of a sudden, Santa Cruz had a public relations nightmare on their hands. CNN called their story, The Town Where Generosity is Illegal. CNN asked Corey why he was plugging those meters and he said, I was taught to do unto others as you would have them do unto you and that's what I'm trying to do. About a week after the CNN story ran, the Santa Cruz City Council got together and they repealed the plugging law and then they made a public apology to Corey McDonald. When that was over, the media asked Corey why he kept putting coins in those meters after he had been giving a ticket, after he had been given a ticket for doing it. And his response was interesting. He said, all I ever wanted was for people to be nice to each other and to help wherever they could. So I was trying to set an example of kindness that people could see and it just turned into more than I thought it would. In most cities, nobody would have noticed what Carrie McDonald was doing. But Carrie did it in the one city in America where showing that kind of generosity was illegal. And, and his generosity not only got people's attention, but it inspired other people to start going around and plugging meters during that time. And it ultimately changed a bad city ordinance. What's the point? The point is, extravagant generosity can produce fruitful living and it can change things if it's done the right way. And that's what Paul was talking about in these two passages of Scripture that we are looking at this morning. Let me read a quote that is about the fruit of the Spirit. Love is the key. Joy is love singing. Peace is love resting. Patience is love enduring. Kindness is love's touch. Generosity is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. Self-control is love holding the reins. I suppose the line that we really ought to notice in that little, that, that little quote that I've just given you is, generosity is love's character. What that means is, 
The more you focus on serving Jesus and the closer that you walk with Jesus, the more generous you'll become. Why? Because generosity is the character of Jesus. Everything about his ministry revealed generosity. From the very first miracle that he did of turning water into wine at a wedding party just so a young couple's wedding wouldn't come to an end too early, to the people that he healed, to the people that he offered forgiveness, to the people that he offered new life to, to, the, to the people that screamed for his blood in Pontius Pilate's court, to the people that nailed, drove nails in his hands. Every single thing he did revealed a heart of generosity. It was the heart of God spreading that generosity to the world. And generosity is the one fruit of the Spirit that grows in our lives in direct proportion to the way that we follow Jesus and to the way that we serve God. For instance, walking with Jesus leads us to be generous with our love. 1 John 4, 19, John says, We love because God first loved us. That's how Christians are supposed to operate. We love God because we have discovered through different things, through the blessings that God has given us in our lives, through the talents that he has put within our lives, through the witness of nature, through the works and the mercy of Jesus Christ, and through the examples of God's love that we have seen through the other Christians that God has put into our lives, we have seen God's love in action, and we want to walk ourselves into that. It's not what we've done that makes a difference, but it's what God has done for us that causes our love to grow in our lives. It's, it's not our love for God that makes us humble in our giving. What makes us humble is knowing that God loves us even when we've made a mess out of things, even when we've made decisions we wish we hadn't made, even when we've made choices that we would love to go back and undo. Still, our God loves us. Dan Cosby tells a story about an older woman he knew when he was growing up in Plano, Texas. Her name was Miss Baker, and every Wednesday afternoon, she put out a big plate of homemade cookies on her front porch just before the school bus ran. And every Wednesday, all the kids would get off the bus, and they'd run to Miss Baker's house, and they'd get themselves a handful of cookies, and then they'd go on home. Somebody asked one of those kids one day why they thought Miss Baker did that. He said, well... I don't think it's because we're nice. I think it's because she is. When Miss Baker heard that, that plate of cookies got a lot bigger the next Wednesday than it did before. Miss Baker put that plate of cookies out once a week for over 20 years because she was extravagantly generous with her love. She was living out that golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. She was making cookies for kids whether they were nice or not. And it made those kids love Mrs. Baker so much that when she passed away several years later, there were kids from elementary school through young adults who had gotten out of college who came back for her funeral. And each one of them brought a bag of cookies to give to the food pantry because they wanted to honor Ms. Baker with their generosity, just like she had them all of those years. Now, if that was the end of the Miss Baker story, that would be a good story just in and of itself. But there's a little more to Miss Baker's story. 
One of those kids got up at Ms. Baker's funeral and, and, and he told a story about her that applied to his life. It certainly summed up Mrs. Baker's character and her generosity. He said one day he and his friends were out in the street playing baseball and he said he hit the baseball and the baseball went straight through Mrs. Baker's window and so those kids all looked at each other and they all ran away. Said that next Wednesday when they went there to get cookies, said Miss Baker walked out and she said, James, did you knock the ball through my window? And he said, no, ma'am, I didn't do that. And so she just went on, didn't say anything else to him. Several weeks after that, James wanted to sign up to play Little League Baseball, but his family was very poor and they didn't have the money to pay the sign-up fees for it. So Miss Baker went and paid the fee. And then she told the coach to call his mother and tell them that she had paid the fee, but she told them not to tell them who had paid the fee for James. Years later, the coach finally told James after he was grown up who'd paid the fee. So he went to her house to thank her and he told her that he was the one who had broken her window and that he was sorry he hadn't been honest about it and he wanted to pay for it. But she said no, of course, at that point. So when he did, Ms. Baker looked at him very sternly and she said, Ah, James, I knew you were the one who broke the window. I was looking out the window when you hit the ball. <laughs> James said, well, why did you pay the fee for, for me to do that, particularly after I lied to you? And when he did, Miss Baker said, well, I knew your family couldn't afford to fix that window, and, and you were a little boy, and, and you were scared, and little boys just mess up, but that's not a reason to hate them. Miss Baker wasn't just generous with her giving, she was generous with her forgiveness. And the scripture says, God loves a cheerful giver. One of the best ways for people to see the love of God is through the gift of forgiveness. But the hard part is that the gift of forgiveness is one of the hardest gifts for us to give because it's hard for us to forgive people when they've mistreated us or, or it's hard, even harder for us to forgive them when they have mistreated our family or somebody that we love. Back several years ago, there was a man here in town who got very annoyed with me over something that I did purely by accident. And his answer to that problem was he humiliated two of my children in front of a crowd a few weeks later. Now, if he had humiliated me in front of a crowd, I could have gotten past that. But it's a whole new ball game when you start messing with people's children. And just for the record, if you start messing with my grandchildren, it's a new ball game after that. It's easy, easier to forgive what's been done to you than it is to forgive what's been done to someone else that you love. But even when it's about you, forgiveness can still be very hard. When I was a kid, my dad was washing something up at our barn one day and he yelled for me and he asked me to bring up a bucket of water. So I filled a bucket up and I took it up to the barn. When I got to the top of the hill, I happened to notice that the bucket was only half full. So we started looking at it and that's when we realized this bucket had a hole in the side of it. Half the water had leaked out of the bucket before we got up there. That's how it is with our buckets of forgiveness in our lives. We may want to be forgiving, but our human buckets have holes in them that's called sin. And it's easy for our forgiveness to leak out of our buckets if we're not very careful. But the good news is God's bucket of forgiveness never leaks. It's never empty. 
it's always abundant. God's bucket is sufficient whenever we need it and whatever that we are up against. God's bucket of forgiveness is there for us in every way. And the closer that we walk with Jesus, the more he pours his bucket of grace into our souls. And, and when our bucket of, starts to overflow with his gift of grace, that's when it becomes easier uh, for us to be generous with our forgiveness. Why? Because God's grace patches our bucket. It heals our wounds and it provides the ability to be generous with our forgiveness. His bucket of grace fills the holes in our souls that, that sin has eaten through and suddenly it becomes easier for us to be generous. And when we're generous with our forgiveness, even when it's hard for us to do it, that's when the world around us starts to see the miracle of God's love in action. Jim Henry used to tell a story about a mother who went to his church at First Baptist of Orlando. This mother took her children to lunch at a restaurant one day. Her six-year-old son asked if he could say the blessing, so she said yes. And so he stood up in the chair and he looked out at the crowd and he said, y'all be quiet, I'm going to bless the food. So everybody started laughing and they got quiet and the boy said, God is great, God is good, and I thank you for this food and I will thank you even more if mom buys ice cream for dessert. With liberty and justice for all, amen. <laughs> Everybody in the restaurant laughed and started applauding except one woman who was sitting directly across from them and she looked over at that mother and she said, that's what's wrong with our country. Children don't even know how to pray anymore. When she did, the little boy started crying. He looked at his mother and he said, did I do something wrong? Is God mad at me? And mother started telling him, no, he'd done just fine. But when he did, there was an older man who got up and he walked over and he said, young man, I happen to know that God thought that was a great prayer. He said, really? He said, yes. Then he looked over at the lady. He said, it's too bad she's never asked God for ice cream. A little ice cream is good for the soul. Mm. When they got finished eating that day, mother did buy ice cream for all of her kids. When they brought the ice cream out, the little boy stood and sat there and he looked at it for a minute. And then he picked it up and he got up and he walked over and he handed it to this woman who had just been mean to him. And he said, here, lady, this is for you. Ice cream is good for the soul and my soul's good already. <laughs> Our scripture says, God will graciously provide all we need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. He will supply and increase your resources and he will provide a great harvest of generosity in you. Extravagant generosity aligns us with God's purposes and it, it changes us from the inside out. It can turn a broken heart into a smile and it can bring the gift of God's spirit to life in our souls. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That little boy was too young to know it at that time, but the gifts of the Spirit had just come to life in that child. And it showed that woman the generosity of forgiveness and the wonder of God's love. And hopefully... It opened her heart and her soul up to a new picture of Jesus and a bigger picture of prayer.
Our God is a generous God, and we are created in our God's image. And if we, can, if we can overcome our fears and our anxieties and the sin of, of self-reliance, the sin of narrow-mindedness, the sin of judgmentalism, if we can just come up with enough faith to actually give our lives to Jesus, then the gift of God's mercy and grace will come to us. And when it does... Maybe we can discover the ice cream of God's love that changes our souls into joy. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come to you here today knowing very well that we are anything but perfect people. We certainly are not the, the people that we always need to be sometimes. No matter how closely we walk with you and no matter how much we love you, sometimes we make choices that we wish we hadn't made. We go directions that we wish we hadn't gone. And so I pray, oh God, that we will look to you with faith today, that we will believe that you are willing to come and live within our souls and, and help us to, to become what you would have us to become, to give us opportunities to start over to give us opportunities to keep walking even when we are struggling. Be with us as we come to this place today, O oh God. You are the fount of our blessings. Let those blessings pour out to us as we gather here today and help us be willing to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and help me to follow you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for coming and being with us here today. It is a good day for us to be together. We are going to go downstairs now and, and join in, in breaking bread together. And I hope that you will come and join us down there and enjoy each other's company. I'm going to pray the blessing over the food as we are doing that. Hopefully we'll have ice cream to go with it. And then we'll go on down and have a good time together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for your love and for your grace. I thank you for those who profess their faith through Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ today. I thank you, O oh Lord, for their deciding that they would have the courage to come before the church and tell the world what they believe. We pray, O oh God, that there will be others that will want to do the same. I pray that if there are others that are here today who have decided to do this, that they will come and let us know that so that we can plan for them in the days that are ahead. I pray, O oh God, as we leave this room, that you will bless the food that we are about to eat and that you will bless our fellowship as we gather together in our fellowship hall and that you will help us to remember that we are one family together and you are with us no matter where we are. Now may the Lord bless and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace this day and every day now and forevermore. Amen. Let's go eat, folks. Mm -hmm.